Hello, my friends, and uh, welcome to the latest episode of Cake Bites. Thanks so much to Buzzsprout and Squadcast for sponsoring the show. Um, I'm incredibly excited to have John on the show today. Um, but I had the opportunity to talk with John about his newly published book, The World of Warcraft Diaries, for Cinelinks, which I'll have a link to the article in the show notes for today's episode about the book and why he wrote it. And uh, I'm really excited to have him on the show to talk about his career in game development, working at Blizzard, and what came after what's published in the book and, uh, and what he's working on now. Um, without further ado, here is John. John, thank you so much for um, being on the next episode of Cake Bites. I'm incredibly excited to have you on, um, especially with the re-release of WoW Classic this year. It seems so fitting. Um, yeah. That thank you're, you. That you're here. Um, my and I know that I personally and I've, I'm not. I've never played World of Warcraft. Well, I've played a little bit, but I've never. Right. It's not MMOs are not my um, aren't really my bread and butter as far sure. as game genres go, but I have a lot of people I love in my life that have played more than enough for me and for other people. Um, right. Sure. <laughs> and, they played, and they played a lot of vanilla um, when it first came out, and um, my understanding is you played a huge role in, uh, in, in WoW Vanilla. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for having me, first of all. It's, <laughs> it's good to be here. And um, I understand the choice between you can do, you can play an MMO you can play an MMO or do everything else in your life. So that's uh, when I started out with um, uh, when I s first saw EverQuest, which was the precursor to World of Warcraft. The decision I had was, well, I could play EverQuest or I could be a level designer. And level designing was my hobby. And I was doing 80, 100 hour weeks uh, when I was working at home uh, for uh, building first-person shooter maps. That's where I started out uh, level design. So, um, yeah, it's I can understand the difference, the reason why someone wouldn't play an MMO. I don't play I don't play an MMO right now, so uh, it's all good. <laughs> Perfect. And and we'll get into kind of what role you played pretty heavily um, in in at Blizzard at the time that World of yeah. Warcraft came sure. out. Um, but and and you talked a little bit about working on mod maps. So let's. Let's uh, let's talk about what got you started with games. Like, um, where where did your love of games begin? It, it it's funny. I started out with Dungeons and Dragons, um, making a whole bunch of maps mm -hmm. and uh, modules, homemade modules. I had I played with my cousins who would read through all the modules, which meant we couldn't play through the modules, and uh, there was just no way to stop. They were bored and they would pick up a module and they'd read it from cover to cover. So as the DM, I would just I enjoyed making. Uh, modules. So I did that uh, for many years, uh, went to college, and uh, I actually didn't play D&D while I was in college, which is usually the ob opposite of what people <laughs> do when college was. Uh, college was a lot of work, so I actually didn't have time for games. But uh, when I reconnected, uh, I moved to New York, and my roommates were into uh, PC games. And I was a uh, Macintosh as, as a graphic designer. Um, 
I used uh, Mac. Uh, New York is still desktop publishing, and New York is very much Mac-centric. And I saw the games they were playing, uh, Doom, first-person shooters. Uh, Civilization was another game that I enjoyed a lot. But uh, once I saw that you could edit uh, your own uh, Quake levels, that's when I bought a PC. I bought it the next. My my came my, my friend came home. I remember on a Friday night he came home with this uh, CD. They called it Scoopware, okay? And it was on a CD. This is for for DVDs. Uh, it th what they do is they scoop a bunch of apps on the internet and they just put it on the CD and they sell it. They don't get permissions. They don't get anything. Uh, it was. But there was a level editor, and he was playing around, and I remember seeing him, like, what are you doing? And when I saw what he was doing, it's like, wow, you could walk around in your own dungeons. And the next day at 10 o'clock, Saturday morning, I bought the nicest PC, the most <laughs> And I learned how the jump from Mac to PC at the time was very painful. Uh, so I learned how to just uh, go along with the PC, and I was just going crazy for five years making first-person shooter maps just for fun and doing that on the side. Uh, and I ended up with a portfolio that was professional-level quality, and I... I applied to Blizzard. They, it, I learned it's very hard to get a job uh, uh, in the gaming industry. And mm -hmm. once I got a job in the gaming industry, I learned it's very hard to find somebody who's professional level quality. And that's probably one of the first things that impressed me about Blizzard is I had no idea that it was this hard to get people to come onto Blizzard. Like it was like, I mean, level designers typically don't want to join. Uh, like when they're happy somewhere, they there's nothing to entice them. And uh, yeah, so getting uh, good people was uh, probably the first thing that was uh, surprising. But wow. yeah, yeah, that was that's pretty much my games trajectory. Uh, right now, oddly enough, I don't play computer games at all. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm fully board game. I play board games like four times. Uh, like last night, uh, there's a different city in Ohio. There's lots of uh, cafes mm -hmm. and bars that you play board games with. Uh, they have a library of games. You pay $5 and you, you, you order food, you drink, and you play board games. I do that like a few nights every week. So uh, kind of gone full circle. Back yeah, to Pathfinder yeah. and stuff. Right, <laughs> right. And I play Pathfinder with my friends on the uh, on the internet uh, for a podcast. Uh, yeah, in a our, I think our podcast our podcast is called Roll for Combat. So <laughs> little plug for them. <laughs> right. We'll talk about it. Um, we'll talk about it more later too. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, if you want. And no. <laughs> And um, and so, were you living in New York when you were when you got the job um, with Blizzard, or yes. were you were yeah? So you had to move over. Oh to yeah, it's if if you ever lived in New York, it's it's the, you don't ever want to move. It's the mm -hmm. worst experience in the world because these buildings are not designed for mobility. <laughs> it's like once you get into an apartment, you, you usually end up dying there. Uh, so. That was a big jump. I wanted it to be a company that was. I had a. I had a very good career. Uh, I was in. Uh, I was in advertising. I was a director of uh, 
uh, photo retouching uh, department in the Madison Avenue ad agency. And it was ha I was happy. Uh, I actually wasn't happy, but uh, I was making a good living and it was okay. You know, uh, mm -hmm. I was doing maps, uh, quake maps for fun on the side, but I was spending crazy hours. Like when they, uh, uh, when I, I once had an eight month uh, stint without being hired. I was a freelancer for most of the time. I eventually, uh, I joined a job for a month before I got the offer from Blizzard. <laughs> and so I said, after a month of being there full time, I said, uh, sorry, you know, I know I'm the director of the department and you wanted to build this whole thing, but I would much rather work at Blizzard. So it was kind of a, a big jump. So I had to make the Blizzard thing work out. And, uh, and and so when you, <clears throat> after you moved and you, you started with Blizzard, what was, so what was, what was the first thing that they had you working on when you got there? Like, did you know, did you have an idea of what they wanted you to work on or were you just like, did they, you kind of go in blind? It's kind of funny. I, I went in blind pretty much. They couldn't talk about WoW. I didn't know it was an unannounced project and they couldn't even tell people because people don't keep their mouths shut. It's just, it's a small industry. Um even though everyone kind of knew what Blizzard was working on, at least in the industry. Uh, they said uh, it's n uh, not a first-person shooter. It's not a racing game or a sports title, but you will be designing dungeons. So that kind of narrowed it down at the time. I'm like, okay, I, I can, <laughs> we can all see where this is going, although you can't officially tell me. So... I did accept the job. The first thing they did was pump me for information. That's honestly, that, like, they had no idea how to build 3D levels. Uh, this was back in 2000. Uh, most games were going from 2D games to 3D games, which are a completely different animal. And a lot of studios went under uh, making that transition. It's their hardest game to make is your first 3D game because you realize all the limitations, uh, all the, uh, y your time budget goes from nine months to a number of years. So when you're not budgeted for that and nobody's really plumbed the depths, everybody has to make that mistake to realize, oh, our budget needs to be quadruple at least what it should be. So. Uh, yeah, uh, Blizzard was making that mistake with WoW and Warcraft 3 at the same time. And that's why Warcraft 3 was built over and over and over again because the engine just kept, uh, we couldn't, they couldn't get a good frame rate. So, uh, yeah, so they pumped me for information on just how to build levels. During the interview, I could tell <laughs> uh, because they just didn't know, like, they, they talked about levels in, in terms of tile sets. And they did. They continued to talk about it in tile sets for a number of years. It's like, no, no, there, there's no, there's no tile. There's no tile with 3D level design. It's a, a, a there's a texture set maybe for a dungeon, but uh, yeah, the mentality there uh, was a little bit uh, different. And the first uh, nine months, we worked in a BSP editor, which is what first-person shooters used. It was very clunky, very rigid. Uh, very dark and uh, just not Warcraft. Warcraft soft and colorful. Mm -hmm. uh, BSP editors are very uh, uh, angular, uh, very mm -hmm. sharp uh, geometry. And the texturing is 
totally bizarre. It's a, if you look at the old Quake maps, you, you see a completely different est strategy for texturing. And it was just a complete waste of time. And nobody had any, any answers on how else to build a dungeon uh, until we had some guys from uh, console games come over. And while console games don't handle textures very well, that's why a lot of them look very cell shaded. Uh, they, it's that that's just the video cards that consoles use. Mm -hmm. They, um, uh, they, they showed us how to make geometry, and so that was kind of uh, a big win. But nine months went straight down the tubes, just nothing but mistake after mistake, with nobody having an answer on how to build dungeons. I was worried about whether or not we even have dungeons. Uh, so that was it was a little bit uh, surprising that a big company like that would just make that many <laughs> mistakes. I mean, right. but that's that's how you learn, you know. And, and how long had they been working on that project when by the time that they had brought you in? Um, let's see. I think in '98 uh, is. It's kind of funny. I have I have my book right. Next to me, I can actually find out, right? look it up. Right. But I think it's uh, and that's the, the big reason, I guess, why why um, we're especially talking today is that you are publishing the Wow Diaries. Um, yes. Which is a comprehensive. Um, there right? it is. <laughs> and, and can you explain a little bit? And we'll talk more about it later. Sure. Can we talk a little bit about what that encompasses? Yeah. So um, yeah, we started uh, looking now. We started. Uh, they started like late '98. Uh, there, I, uh, the book uh, talks about basically the process of developing World of Warcraft, Vanilla WoW, uh, all the mistakes they, the team made. Um, and they started out with a whole bunch of engine mistakes. In 1999, uh, they started again. Uh, so it, they had worked on it for at least 18 months before I joined the team. I was the 20th person on the team. Yeah, and they were really happy. Uh, I was the new shiny thing because I was the first 3D level designer the company ever had, and people were so, oh yeah, yeah. How you know? What do you think it's gonna be like? They they were super excited to have me on the team, and then the programmers basically they say, okay, this is gonna this is how you're going to uh, d develop dungeons. And as the months and months wore on, they weren't so excited anymore more because nothing that uh, I could produce or the programmers could uh, figure out was going to be um, viable uh, solutions for getting dungeons in the game or even getting buildings into the game. There was a question whether or not you would even walk inside a building because our, the, the, the WoW characters have a chase camera. And we didn't know whether or not walking through a doorway would bump up against the doorway. And would that be confusing and annoying to players? How big were these houses, houses supposed to be to accommodate a chase camera that follows like 10, 12, 20 yards behind a character? Uh, and would it feel weird that the interior spaces were going to be just so gigantic and uh, Warcraft 3 especially was the opposite. You had gigantic characters walking around with these tiny little buildings that they would stand next to and tower over. We wanted it to be a nice uh, transition so yeah we had no idea and eventually we just got used to it. It was not a big deal but until you have those answers those like sometimes those answers are no, you're not going to be walking into buildings, and that really changes a lot of things. Uh, so luckily, it uh, it worked out. But yeah, it was uh, it was pretty uh, painful. We had no idea what 
what we were doing until because until you test it in game you can't be solid you can't really say oh this is the the course we're setting so and, and so you say you know there you know, for a while y'all were questioning whether there would even be dungeons in the game yeah and obviously you guys figured it out oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so so what was what was that uh what was that process like you know figuring it out and and implementing um what ended up being really the core of the game um, a lot of it was making mistakes and uh, just figuring out the look of it was really what was the biggest concern. The dungeons looked like uh, Quake 3 maps. We actually built with a Quake 3 editor. Our tech lead was John Cash. He was the uh, tech lead for uh, uh, Quake 2. And uh, uh, after Quake 3, he jumped a, a ship at uh, id Software and he joined Blizzard. And he was our, uh, he was great. He, oh, he, he helped separate the client uh, server uh, package for the programmers so they could actually um, work on a true um, uh, engine um, without having to redo anything. And that was a big win. But no one was doing anything like what we were doing and we were building our own engine uh, because all the other engines would not accommodate an MMO. So it was it was mostly a whole lot of failing. Uh, we, we, we eventually uh, decided to just go with the uh, 3D Studio Max, which is a big, that was the big decision. How do we create our geometry? And Maya is great for animation. Uh, 3D Studio Max is great for very flexible, uh, precise calculations. You can repeat operations very quickly, which are, it's great for architecture. Uh, both packages are similar for character creation or if you're building a tree or a bush, but when you're talking about a dungeon or a how or a large building, you want to be very, very uh, accurate. Uh, you have to have a lot of flexibility. Otherwise, you're redoing a lot of you know big things because dungeons take months and months to build each one. So you don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole before you realize, oh, I have to resize things like Quake maps, Quake editors. You couldn't resize a dungeon. You just couldn't skip. You had to move it one wall, one brick at a time. Literally, it was just so painful. <laughs> I can't. Be, I can't even believe. It's kind of funny. Anybody who knows what a BSP editor, they wouldn't even believe that we tried making dungeons with that uh, technology. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy. And EverQuest had used. Uh, I think they must have used 3D Studio Max, but they only had their entire dungeons were like a few hundred polygons for the entire dungeon. So like 400, 500 polygons would be everything in the dungeon. Like there'd be no other geometry. Like our, our player models, the old World of Warcraft player models had more than that. So... We were talking about a big jump in uh, technology, which uh, that that our programmers were able to uh, equip us with. And and how, how long was it after you started that you guys kind of that y'all started to figure it out? Yeah, yeah, I would say about nine months. Um, when we made a sw when we made the switch, the first dungeon we built was something called Karazhan, which is a big raid dungeon, and it was our worst case scenario. We wanted to know, you know. I could build a cave, okay? I could build a cave using a BSP editor, but 
does it crap out when you go to a big Uber dungeon? So we wanted to know, and oh yeah, it crapped out. We couldn't even run. Like to, to look at our uh, caves, we would load it in the Quake 3 engine. We would, everybody had Quake 3 CDs installed all around the office. And we would just run around. Uh, we'd have rocket launchers. Would be that is how we would look at our dungeons. It was just like <laughs> so so hokey. <laughs> but uh, we yeah we we switched to um, uh, yeah we switched to just uh, a, a editor that was a lot more flexible, and that was just the big win there. And at what point did you guys st announce the game? Like what, when you know were you guys pretty far after you guys had, oh, yeah. had yeah, had we had, uh, we yeah, we, uh, I think it was 2002 at the ECTS, which is the European computer trade show. And the reason why we don't, why Blizzard never announces anything at E3 is because we didn't want to compete with everybody's news cycle. It just didn't make any sense. Like, why would you be just buried between this major announcement and another major announcement? Now, now they do BlizzCon. They don't even do a, a E3 because E3 was really, there's no point for us to go to E3 because we never really announced anything. But yeah, that was actually the high point of development is finally, finally, after years of working on something, uh, uh, being able to tell our friends and, you know, uh, our, our family members that, yes, this is what the, the, the project is. That was kind of cool. Um, and that was when all the glowing reviews, oh, this is going to be so off. You know, once they start playing a game, that's when the complaints start happening. So, and we knew that too, but it was, it was just kind of, uh, it was kind of cool. Yeah. We, we announced it in the UK. I think it was, uh. Uh, in in London, uh, that's where uh, uh, a bunch of our team members uh, went to, uh, and of course we had lots of problems with the demo, and we wanted the game to be look playable. Uh, of course, we didn't have dungeons working yet, we didn't have interior spaces working yet, but we were kind of confident we could get those in. But we had to be fairly certain that we could guarantee a good frame rate, at least on the exterior terrain. And that was the big question. And uh, yeah, that's, that's when, it, when a game company, when they announce like new features, they're announcing everything that they think they can guarantee to deliver. Uh, now it's kind of like Warcraft 3, I think was Blizzard's last game where they just, they would announce their ideas before trying them out uh, because they're trying to please the magazines. Let's give them something to talk about. And when that new thing, uh, like say a, a different type of uh, resource, like, I don't know, mana crystals or something that they decide is too many resources, it goes away. And then for years after they have to explain why there aren't, aren't any mana crystals in the game. So you, 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 I think that's where we, played our cards pretty close to our chest and uh, uh, started saying, we'll tell you when it's ready. That that was kind of like the, the new mantra at Blizzard. And then um, and then through release and after release, did, uh, after it released, did, did everything work the way that you guys wanted or were, were there things that you were, weren't able to implement that? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, the release was, we had a, a big... 
that's the one thing we splurged on. That's the one thing we couldn't risk is having a bad release because all these MMOs, there was such a stink on them that they would promise, because it's such a hard piece of software to develop, that everyone would promise, oh, this is going to be a, a great game, and then they wouldn't deliver. And one of the things that no one ever delivered on was a good frame rate. Uh, that was one thing that we we spared no expense whatsoever. And as it turned out, we, we had ordered a, a new kind of uh, server hardware that had never been config, configured before. Uh, and it was configured incorrectly by the manufacturer. So it was killing uh, the connectivity, like for weeks, pe many days, people couldn't you know, connect reliably to the game. So it looked like our game wasn't working when in fact it was the hardware. Uh, but no, we had, ton we had such a long list of features. We did not have PVP. That was a big, uh, uh, the, the team kind of felt like, uh, it's, it's not, a f it was a half finished game. Uh, and we didn't want to do that, but we had to eventually release because we were just like sick of, you know, we had to, it was, right. we had to start making money <laughs> and, and, and learning how to, you know, uh, uh, support this, this type of game. But yeah, there was so much. We had at least a year's worth of features that were must-have that we had planned. And we knew we had a wish list of many, many, many years. Everybody's talking about the longevity of World of Warcraft. That was the last thing we were worried about because we had so many ideas uh, to put into the game. Like an MMO is everything to everybody. There's an infinite number of mini-games that you couldn't put into an MMO. So... Yeah, we had no problem with longevity we, just because we had such a long task list uh, that we wanted <laughs> to put into uh, the game. So it's kind of so, funny. Yeah. So, sound like Dwarf Fortress. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Exa <laughs> exactly like that. It's just, it was, that's actually a very good comparison. It's just, you can. Uh, but I've had, tar I've had Tarn on the show a couple of times. So I know it's the same thing, you know. Yeah. Like the, the game yeah. continues because they have more that they want to continue adding. And, yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I and so how long did you work on, and so how long were you on the team after the game released? I was, uh, f whole, I was on 10 years uh, on the project, just wow. in, entirely, yeah. On, on Vanilla WoW, that was probably where I had the, much, uh, the, the biggest influence. I, I built half of the instanced dungeons uh, where that's people group up and they go in, and it's a real dungeon crawl, multi-hours to get through. Uh, and then I did 90% of the non-instance dungeons. Uh, the little they had caves and gold mines that were just kind of part of the exterior terrain, the public play space. I built most of those, and uh, I built all the raids except like one. Uh, Nixia I didn't build, and I built only just a little bit of uh, Nexramus, which uh, you know. And I built half. I, I did basically half of Karazhan. Uh, so a lot of the uh, the raids too. Were there any particular raids, caves, um, areas that you built um, that are that that are meaningful to you? Is there anything? Oh, yeah. yeah, like the the one that I was really proud of the most was Black Rock Mountain. It's an interior play space where the original design uh, it was a little convoluted. Uh, I. I I didn't have a lot of concept art. Concept art is particularly difficult for interior spaces because 
Concepting a building is very easy if you're looking at the exterior of a building. You can capture that in one picture. But if you're looking at an interior, uh, you can capture like one corner of the room. But it's in, it's it's kind of hard to encapsulate. Like if, even if you look at one side of the room, there's just so much to an interior. So we didn't have a lot of concepts uh, for a lot of this stuff. It just came from our creative director. He would just describe hey, we got some of these evil dwarves. We call them dark iron dwarves. They work with a lot of dark iron. Uh, they're building some lo They're building, building all kinds of golems, and that's pretty much their vibe. And that's the thing. And from that, I built many, many dungeons. All the Black Rock dungeons were well, black, uh, dark iron dwarves uh, uh, had lived in. So uh, it was just a great texture set and just a lot of fun uh, to work in. Yeah. Did you did you play yourself? Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> I I was I was the third person when WoW launched. I was the third person into the office. Actually, only three of us went in to work on that day. Uh, it's kind of funny as the game got closer and closer to release, f fewer and fewer people showed up because art was on lockdown, design was on lockdown. They didn't want uh, anybody to introduce bugs into the game. Programmers were the only ones working on bugs, and those were only showstoppers. So we fewer and fewer people could actually work on the game, and a lot of people hadn't been taking vacations for years. So, yeah, it was so people were real comfortable not going into work. So, uh, yeah, launch day was a ghost town. There was it was absolute ghost town. You would never think. And I knew the servers would be down because all the alphas and the betas, the very first day, the only place you could actually play is at Blizzard for some crazy reason. Even though the servers are at some AT&T data location, like I think there's one in Atlanta, one in Los Angeles, uh, but the Blizzard building was the only place you could actually log on to the server. And I wanted to log on and create the first live character in live and I was beat by uh, Mark Kern, the team lead <laughs> for World of Warcraft <laughs> and Joe Rumsey who was our server programmer. Those, <laughs> those guys got their uh, characters in but uh, I, d I will say I, d I played the first druid. Uh, I had a torn druid. That was my first uh, uh, the th I guess the first druid ever on a, a live server. Um, that so. was going to be my next question. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> yes, it, it was uh, a druid. And at, uh, once WoW was live, it was kind of funny. None of the designers had enough time to actually play the raid game, which is amazing because, and I think my suspicion is the whole the whole thing with classic WoW and uh, retail is that th there, there's a lot of conveniences introduced to the game over 15 years of the game being out. And that's, uh, uh, I think, my own tinfoil hat theory is that the, uh, the, the game designers wanted to play uh, the game. They just didn't have enough time to play the high-end game. So they would put all these <laughs> shortcuts in that were great for them. And who knows, maybe I'm not doing it justice. Maybe that's a lot of player pressure on, you know, simplifying systems, but uh, I was the highest uh, and I was the highest raider on the team at one point. Uh, our, our, the guy, uh, Scott Harton, our engine programmer, uh, was, I think he was on the first uh, 
or second Anixia takedown, which was the, our, the, the first raid boss was a dragon. And he was in, I think he joined this guild and they kind of let him in because he was, you know, a muckety muck. <laughs> but uh, I will say that the designers can't cheat their way past anything. They don't have that ability. So it, 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 it's a whole different department that just guards, you know, the, uh, the tools programmer and the QA department, uh, the GMs, they, they guard that against the designers doing any cheats or anything. So, uh, yeah, everything that the employees did was legitimate. None of us <laughs> cheesed <laughs> past any of the content. That is so funny. And so do people know that you guys are Blizzard employees if they were raiding with y'all? Um, well, we, we had the Blizzard Guild. We had the Blizzard Guild, and pretty much we all had our friends, but uh, most people wouldn't believe us when we would say that we were <laughs> like, and, and actually we would never do that because if they believed us, then they wouldn't let us alone. They'd want to know when when the lo when the when is the rogue. Uh, gonna have an answer to shaman totems. Uh, when is the mage gonna be nerfed? You know all the class balance uh, complaints. Uh, we didn't want to actually answer that. Even though I'm a level designer, I don't know anything about you know right. uh, the intricacies of that. Uh, yeah, we just didn't want to uh, uh, risk uh, being just like, oh, what, when is this gonna happen? We just wanted to play the game. Yeah. And uh, in my Google searching about you before we before our chat. You know, yeah. I, I did some looking because obviously you had you had a long and successful career with Blizzard. So I was yeah. curious just about because um, the the Blizzard community they you know they are devoted. Um, and so I was just kind of curious what sure. they said and and, uh, and I saw that you got you had gotten moved at one point. You know, a, after a while to an unnamed pro another unnamed project. Yes. They really like yes. to put you on those. Um, but it was something that never came to fruition. Right. Yeah. We they, after um, there was a lot of uh, let's see incentives to move to uh, a Project Titan, which was a new uh, it was a new game. I didn't think it was going in the right direction, so I resisted going for a long time. Uh, I was kind of burnt out on WoW, and I was just. Uh, 10 years is a long time to spend on uh, uh, a single game because you're also, that's also your recreation. You're also doing that for fun on the side. And all your friends are doing it on the side. So uh, living and breathing and uh, drinking World of Warcraft for 10 years, I was, I was ready to move on to a new project. And unfortunately, uh, my premonitions about Project Titan were right on the money. It was just not as... Uh, it wasn't ready. Uh, it, the, the design wasn't solid. Uh, it was too early for level designers to join the project. And I made it known after the first week, like, you're putting the cart before the horse uh, w with, you know, with this. And uh, it wasn't, uh, they, they, they did end up firing me uh, after a year or so on the project, but I was so my foot was out the door halfway anyway, so you know I shook hands. It was a good, uh, like it was actually a good decision for me to, because uh, honestly, it, it was a gilded uh, cage. You know, I was making such such good money there. I would have never, you know, I would have never <laughs> left on my own right. accord. And there was no justification to have me there. Uh, the, the the game wasn't ready for it, and eventually it was canceled. They kept the engine. And a couple of the uh, uh, character characters from Titan to uh, Overwatch. Um, yeah, Overwatch 
was nothing like Titan. Like other than they like characters would have guns at some point. That's really the only similarities between the uh, the two games. So uh, yeah, and I didn't want and I had learned while after I'd left, it was just more pain, more layoffs, more. Oh, I'm so glad I did not have to go through all of that. So it felt like the world was off my shoulders when I drove home. I was like, oh, my God, that's, you know, I can move on to my next thing. And, and what was the next thing? Uh, the next thing was another computer game company, a bunch of ex-Blizzard guys, and I had uh, par partnered up. And let's see, that ended not well. Uh, we were, we just ran out of... Uh, uh, funding. It was it was kind of uh, uh, the last uh, of. I I actually left the company there before the company went bankrupt uh, mm -hmm. because I had a problem with my hands. My hands uh, developed this. Uh, it, it's symptoms of carpal tunnel and arthritis. Although I am not. Uh, I'm negative for each. I don't have arthritis or carpal tunnel, but my hands ache from long-term computer use. And when you're 3D modeling, there's lots of, you have to use your hands. Uh, it's it's like nonstop typing. I, get, I, I would compare it to like 12 hours. You know, when you're writing, you usually write for four, maybe six hours is, is at most for a day. Uh, it, but this was, you know, uh, and I couldn't play games either. So wow. recreationally, I couldn't play games uh, because if your hands hurt, you know, don't do that, you know. So uh, I just kind of moved on to uh, uh, board game, uh, board game development. I was a big fan of board games, and uh, uh, at Blizzard we had board game night, and uh, that was a uh, that was our weekly, uh, that was our weekly social uh, where all people from all departments would just get together and play uh, board games, and uh, uh, yeah, I. So I'm a board game geek now. And you're making you're making board yes. games. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, I I've got a I'm I'm using the Blizzard formula and applying that to board games. I'm taking <laughs> a genre that's very popular and I'm identifying the flaws that everyone is making because everyone and it it's it's dungeons. I'm I'm making a, a game uh, that's a simplified version of a boss fight game. Uh, and it's I want the game to be very, very quick on ramp. I don't like rules. I like Magic the Gathering is a perfect example. Actually, Hearthstone is a better example. That's probably one of my uh, uh, inspirations for game design. Is that uh, Hearthstone doesn't use fractions. You know, Hearthstone is so simple. It looks the way it should play. And I wanted somebody to walk into the room and see my game and instantly know how to play the game. Just reach for, everybody has their own color of dice. And so there's, there's some identity. So you naturally, you just sit down, roll the dice, and you just keep, and you go. You don't have to learn any rules before uh, uh, doing that. Uh, and you look at your options that the dice give you. And so that's kind of what I'm doing. And I'm getting to a place where it's very uh, uh, fun. I'm getting good quality boss fights inside of 20 minutes which wow. i'm ecstatic over and of course there's there's loot and boss fights that's basically the uh the game so uh i'm i'm doing the art myself hopefully i can uh, 
uh, do a good job and who knows in a year or two I'll have another Kickstarter uh, showing showing what I've made. I mean, is is this a is this a project that you are doing on Kickstarter or is yeah. It- no, I, I definitely want to publish it myself. Um, I've looked at the uh, the economics of I, – I enjoy having the – that's the Blizzard thing. Okay, so the reason why Blizzard – and I've, I've talked to Mike Morheim a number of times about why that Blizzard's successful. In the course of writing my book, I, I was also interested in the business side. And Mike was the CEO of Blizzard. Alan Adham founded the company with Mike and uh, Frank. Uh, they all said that the secret to being a good publisher, uh, uh, a good studio, is to self-publish. That is it. And a publisher is just simply—they are the guys with the money. They're—they're they're the guys that say, "Okay, you make us a game, we'll release it, and we'll give you pennies on the dollar as you know as return." Um, and because Blizzard was able, and they started out on credit cards, they were—they weren't. They didn't have a sugar daddy or anything. They started out on, uh, they had, uh, they started out with just making titles for other people, eventually built up a, a personnel. And with Warcraft, they were able to, okay, this is our first title and it was a super hit. And that gives them the license to uh, kill their mistakes internally. Most companies release their mistakes. Okay, they they know it's a bad game, they, but they have to recoup their money. They're n- they can't stop the publisher from releasing something, and they can chase down uh, good ideas when something like a good ins- uh, uh, example is solo quests in World of Warcraft. We were using solo quests just as a way to introduce people to a zone, and that was it. Once you familiarize with the zone, because we didn't want people getting lost. We, we, we'd give them some quests to breadcrumb them around the zone so they wouldn't get lost. That was the only purpose of a quest. And now people would play and they'd finish all the quests. They say, oh, I must be done with this zone. I'm moving on to another zone, which was way out of their uh, level range and they'd get their butt handed to them. And so we, they, they fell into this, oh, well, we got to make enough quests so people spend their entire time in the zone. That's what captured the the casual player was just to be able to play solo without the pressure of peer groups or performance in dungeons, and that is the broad. That's ninety percent of World of Warcraft's uh, audience is just these casual solo players. They never go to WoWhead. They never go to MMO Champion. They never. They. It's just a little game that they they jump in and jump out of it. They're not. They're uh, they're casual people. So. Uh, yeah, and that's an example of discovering something about a game and then going, oh, this is what we should be doing with our engine, and then allocating or reallocating more resources toward that thing and then ending up with a much, much better game. Uh, other, and I've been working on this board game for over three years, and wow. it, it's, it takes that time to like the first, <laughs> I mean, I had so carefully covered all my bases in, in, in making this dungeon. I had these, uh, this is again, my board game. Uh, I, I made some very fundamental flaws that in testing, it's like, you know what, this is, this is too much. It's too fiddly. You know, we got to cut all this stuff out. And 
then you learn, oh, this is really the gold over here. And then you redevelop. If you're working for a publisher for a schedule, when you, they, you're supposed to send them a blueprint and then just make that blueprint. It doesn't matter if it's good or not. That's what you're contracted to make. 90% of studios work that way. And that's why Blizzard games are that much better. It's because everyone else is just, they're stuck into the same Faustian bargains with the publisher. And the publishers aren't happy with it. I mean, they're getting games that only have like a, a lifespan of a couple months. Uh, but th it's, it's, they can't evaluate whether or not something's good without being too uh, uh, intrusive. Uh, so... It's yeah, it's it's good to self-publish. So yeah, that's how I'm that's what I'm moving forward with. And and you self-published your book as well, correct? Yeah, yeah, I uh, I self-published my book. I wanted to uh, I wanted the independence of and again when you're self-publishing, you don't have people uh, saying boo like saying oh it's too long or there are too many names or there's too many details. I wanted to and I. Now, unfortunately, I had to do everything myself, so I, I rewrote the thing 18 times over. It was an enormous amount of work. It, it was every month I would spend rereading the book, and I would write down all the notes just like practically in every paragraph. I, I would have notes like, oh, I forgot about this story, and I would squeeze it into you know another chapter, but I would just rewrite it over and over, and that's how Blizzard does their games. they just iterative. They do it over and over and until they can't push the needle anymore. And as a you know, as a writer, you're going to uh, that's when you send it to an editor. Uh, not the editor's not there to just catch all your mistakes. It's it's they're there to uh, catch the things that you can't catch. So mm -hmm. uh, I'm be I'm doing that with board games. Uh, and I'm I've got publishing partners. I'm I'm published with the uh, like. Deepwater Games, uh, they're, uh, they're marketing my book to distributors right now uh, to get it into retail. And their, their process is a, a lot faster. It's, it's typical to a lot of people, but I just I enjoy the independence of, uh, of making my own decisions. Well, I, I want to talk a little bit more about the meat of your book um, because uh, is it a... Is, I was trying to see, is it available for purchase or pre-order? Yes, it's uh, uh, the Kickstarter was a year ago, uh, right. and so now it's on Amazon in the summer. It took a long time to get onto Amazon. Um, it's uh, Amazon.com. Uh, if you're in uh, Germany or the uh, uh, Australia or somewhere around the world, you, you don't go to your local Amazon. You have to go through uh, Amazon.com. Uh, it's available on Kindle. The... Yeah, and the book is um, yeah, that's it's pretty much widely available on Amazon, not in retail yet. Because I wasn't sure, I saw because I saw that you kickstarted it, and you had an incredibly, incredibly successful Kickstarter campaign for the book. Yeah, um, the, the second one was the first one was an absolute flop. Oh. I had, I had, I had only three hundred uh, people for the first one. Uh, it was uh, such a disaster, and. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, y y everyone fails their first Kickstarter, and I'm certainly not an exception <laughs> to that. <laughs> so, so what was so what was the time span between the first and the second campaign? Because um, it, it, when I looked, it was like you had raised five like five hundred. Am I crazy? Was it four, five five hundred thousand dollars or something? Like uh, that? it was six hundred thousand. Oh. Yeah, 
was, yeah. yeah, it was it was six hundred thousand. Yeah, the second campaign, and that was just taking the time to establish a relationship with journalists and getting the word out. And uh, because everyone that I had talked to Blizzard, Blizzard, like they didn't make any changes on the book. Like when I talked to them to make sure that there was nothing uh, harmful about the book, I am. It's filled with their images, so I wanted to just get that under their nose, say, hey, this is coming out. Is this okay? Is that okay? Uh, and the only thing they – the only thing, uh, J. Allen Brack uh, read it. Their chief of staff, Shane DeBerry, my old roommate, <laughs> uh, he read it. Uh, they uh, they said it was really good. Um, it was just the, – there was one quote that they didn't know whether or not the person would approve of the quote. So I took that out and just – the quote, I just wrote it into the text as if I came up with those words. So I took credit <laughs> for that. Uh, so the words are still there. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're really good words. Like some of my editors were saying, John, this is a great quote. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but we had to get rid of it. So I, I'm not taking credit for it. So there's a little passage. And, hey, it's, it's, a, it's a big book. It's, it's over 300 pages long. Uh, over 100 behind-the-scenes images. So it's like the length of The Hobbit. It's it's an enormous... And what you would expect is it's the anatomy of a computer game company, uh, a, a, a dev team. Uh, it's all the different parts of making a game uh, and how, they, uh, how those departments work with one another. And it's the chronology of from the inception of World of Warcraft to the release day and i uh i end it on release day wow yeah what was it like talking with everybody um in the creation of the book it was is i started doing it mostly for my own education uh i wanted this was my first professional gig and the first day on the job so many of my conceptions of how a game company would work I'd I'd freelanced in New York so I'd seen a lot of studios now they were ad studios but you have an idea of like you're very it's very corporate it's very professional um, and I knew that people would be walking around in shorts and flip-flops you know that's that wasn't that big of a deal but I'd also followed these little updates that developers uh, in the first-person shooter community would make. They, they'd call them plan updates. And this is a throwback. Like if you go to uh, the web page was Planet Quake. And Planet Quake had the updates of all the devs on what they were working on that day. And the devs would just upload their little, oh, just tweak these textures and work on this. And I had an idea after going there for a number of years. I was devote that was my homepage for four years i would just glean like how are they doing everything and because uh when i went to blizzard i learned everything was wrong blizzard does everything differently and i just had I, it was such a fascinating thing i'm like god somebody ought to write a book about this because i can't believe that this is so great the way that, that they work and that's I, I interviewed people and some people are like why are you, why are you like these are weird questions. Like, why are you asking me like how I do uh, rigging for animation? You know, like these are just, and I just explaining, oh, I'm going to put this book together. And uh, they said, oh yeah, that's kind of a good idea. And you know, 15 years later, <laughs> I actually <laughs> get around to doing it. Um, yeah. So I, and the reason why is I started writing another book, a fiction book. And I've always wanted to write, but I always was worried that I wouldn't be a, a good writer. And 
after writing a little bit on my fiction bucket, like this is pretty good. I, I, I should finish up on old business and that's the World of Warcraft diary. And so I got that out of the way and now I'm working on my board game and then uh, my fictional series that I'm uh, that's that's the next project. So I have these huge 10 year <laughs> 10 year timeline task list that I'm working on. The first one's done. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And do you feel like it's everything's very well timed with the re-release of uh, Vanilla Lab? Oh, yeah, nothing was I had Oh, I was very dubious that Blizzard was going to re-release World of Warcraft because I and I'm still interested to see how it will age. Um if it's gets if people are tired of killing the same raid boss over and over again uh that community is going to die because it's just not like that when there's no new content and that's kind of a that's that's bad news especially when communities talk on the internet now it's not something that you know they can sweep under the rug so they're kind of locked into this uh They've got a tiger by the tail, in my in my opinion. I don't know how they're going to like all. Are they just going to re-release all the expansions? And that may very well be the right thing. But there's a lot of mistakes in some of those expansions. Does that mean they're also going to repeat the mistakes? So it's going to be just weird. And I, I'm you know my popcorn is ready and popped, and I want to watch <laughs> to see what happens. In in writing the book, was what was your favorite? part to relive if you could if you could put your finger on a part in the book. oh one part it was probably when we were recording our gameplay movie this was for the ECTS okay this is before we had gameplay we had no idea how big a party was we had no idea how many monsters we would be fighting originally we thought it was going to be like Diablo 2 when there's all kind like a person would solo against a dozen monsters okay uh, we wanted it to be fast action like every quest you would walk up to a monster hit it and you would just chop 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 you just stand next to a monster uh, and yeah you would hit your abilities periodically but that is and it, ironically that's how wow kind of plays right now but we we pictured it being more action and so we were recording this gameplay movie and <laughs> it was just so hokey. We were on, we had uh, desk phones that we were communicating on desk phones. Not everybody's desks, desk phone speaker worked. And so we'd be shouting instructions and everybody's in their uh, office and somebody's filming and this is before YouTube. So that we have this teeny tiny little resolution uh, movie that is just embarrassing. Like it's it's blurry. You would never even imagine that this is a Blizzard uh, trailer, <laughs> and it was just something that you know the lead of the 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 uh, the team says we got to put something showing <laughs> some action. We just can't have screenshots. Uh, so we were recording this thing, and you would. You create a character in our game back then, you would stand in your underwear. You started in your underwear because you didn't have any items. There's no items on any character. So you'd have to type in the code in the console one at a time for every single object that you're placing on your character. And this is a build of the game that is buggy. So people are dropping out for different reasons. They're not synced up with the same bug. When the server gets a new... Uh, 
I don't know, uh, uh, patch or, or fix. Not everybody gets the fix and downloads the new daily build. So we wanted this big scene of uh, players running down a hill like Braveheart. That was the big concept. And I think we ended up with like six people who were dressed. A lot of people just gave up. They stopped. You know, developers have a, a, a short... Uh, after you're waiting around for a couple hours, you're kind of bored. It was exactly like a movie set where everyone's standing around in-game, and this is before nameplates. We didn't want nameplates. So you couldn't even say, hey, uh, who's the Torin on top of the hill who's got that stupid fishing hat? Put on a real helmet. That looks ridiculous. This is for, you know, supposed to be a battle. And we didn't know who that was. And it was just well, everyone had to wait until we figured out who that person was and then <laughs> communicate to that person because you would type it out. And that person oh wasn't God. looking at the, ch the chat log so because our chat interface wasn't done. I mean, it was just... It was crazy. It was so hokey, but we, we we had this stupid little trailer putting it together, and it's just such a funny process. But that's how Blizzard does it. You know, it's everybody does it that way. It's it's funny to think about kind of the romanticized way in which people, members of the gaming community, think about game development. Yeah. Um, sometimes, you know. Yeah. And it's it's funny just to hear the, the the juxtaposition. You guys are just trying to do what works. Oh figure yeah, out what works. Oh yeah, get <laughs> anything that is not embarrassing is okay. Yeah, we can you know ship it. That's great. Uh, yeah, like we would. Uh, oh my god, uh, it, lore is actually the biggest mistake people have about game development. I've talked to a lot of people since I've you know. Uh, uh, publishing this book uh, about how things get decided for story and really story is the end result of the assets that work in the game and you can you can set people in a direction with okay we're going to talk th these will be hobgoblins and goblins that that zone will be you know or whatever it is um, and if we don't have hobgoblins uh finished as a uh, monster then okay hobgoblins aren't in the zone anymore then that's 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 what happens if somebody builds a dragon before the end of the game the th like adam uh, adam burned did a dragon and it took him weeks to do and he kind of worked on it in his own time we weren't really planning on having a dragon oh we've got a dragon hey, we're that's our first raid boss it's a dragon hey look <laughs> at that let's get the story for a dragon and uh the one thing that the designers were so upset about is that Chris Metzen, the creative director, he wanted all dragons to be good, except black dragons, okay? So all the colored dragons, you couldn't kill them as a player if you were on the line. Like, it, it just didn't make sense story-wise. <laughs> so I was like, why would you have a whole bunch of good dragons? Dragons have to be bad, you know? And he just, that's one of the things that uh, he kind of put his foot down. He's like, no, 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 I want... I want I want to have, uh, you know, good dragons. And so Anixia was our first dragon. It was a black dragon, you know. And, uh, you know, all the designers are rolling their eyes about that. But, uh, yeah, and that's – it's sometimes uh, the cheapest thing to change is the story. And so that's – a lot of people say, oh, I want to get into games and I want to start writing stories. 
And my response is, well, well, get in line because anyone can write a story. You know, it's 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 actually pretty easy. Games are very flexible uh, with with story elements because you're you're working with a blunt instrument. You're competing with the UI, the quests, uh, the, the the characters, the sounds, uh, socialization. Your stories have to be so simple for the players to even follow what's going on uh, that. That's why story writing is kind of like uh, the, the easiest thing to do uh, for games. Because people, they care about the reward, basically. That's, that's what they care about. They'll, f they'll be forgiving if the story's uh, uh, hokey or kooky, you know. Especially, especially when there is technically, um, a, you know, when the, when the technical aspect of the game is, is what is the most important. Right. Like in a game like World of Warcraft. Oh, you know? yeah. You know, I feel like I feel like today the narrative driven there's a, there's like a whole genre of narrative driven games that has really like exploded in the last five years or so. But but that's but they generally aren't as technically advanced as you know an MMO is. Right. Usually. Oh, yeah. There's nothing technically advanced as an MMO. MMOs are still by far. Or, I mean, the, the limitations of Everybody playing together in one space, there's so many limitations. Um, uh, hit detection is very difficult to do, like on a broad scale, because it involves a lot of calculations. Uh, movement has to be precise for like a shooter, like a first-person shooter. You can't have 500 people playing in the same space because that server needs to take everybody's location and constantly update everybody who's around them. Now, are you in healing range? Are you uh, is are you going? If you're sniping, are you going to hit them in the forehead? Uh, and that's like the monsters in World of Warcraft. There's always that. Uh, they're kind of like bullet sponges. Okay, they're they're damaged sponges. You have to hit them like 30 times before they go down. Like in a first-person shooter, like Counter Strike is a good example, or. Uh, um, uh, Fortnite's another great example. One or two hits and boom, you, you got them. You know, something like that. It's it's a lot more deadly. You don't have to hit them 30 times to kill somebody in Fortnite. Uh, and, and that's the reason that an MMO is you don't have persist uh, you, you don't have correct locations because it would just take too much bandwidth. And if you don't have correct locations, you have to be somewhat forgiving. You can't let that decide whether or not somebody's going to live or die. So that means you have to go with 30 hits because then you can use the spells or the, the abilities uh, to decide. And it defines all of the combat just basically the limitations so there's never going to be uh, at least not i don't think in our lifetime a, 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 an mmo where you can stab somebody in the neck and they'll go down like it's it's you'd have to have hit detection uh body locations uh it's it's so much to uh program maybe some someone's going to figure it out sometime i'm sure but with today's technology at the bandwidth that we have it, it it the medium defines the content in 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 a way so it's it's amazing though to to you know i've i i like i said earlier i don't personally play mmos but i am amazed at the capabilities of mmos to really bring whole communities together you know i i, I have a lot of friends that i've met through other games yeah that 
have been friends with, like they've they've yeah. been friends with. They yeah. met, they maybe married people from their guild. They're yeah. best friends in real life with them, and you know, there's something absolutely amazing about that capability in a yeah. game. You know, and the longevity. I mean, of of the game itself. Yeah, the stickiness of socialization is. Uh, very key, and you have to make sure that the very base game is fun. Like, it has to be fun to just move. And movement is actually, I think for the first nine months I was there, that was the thing that we, they were working on. And it's kind of weird to, 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 to say, like, what do you mean by movement? I mean walking across the landscape. Is it interesting how do you excite the eye uh does it feel fun to to do that and it has to feel right it has to because it's a long long haul that you're going to be doing you have to get the very base game like my game my board game i noticed that it's fun to just hold on to dice okay it's that forget about the game it's fun to just hold on to your own set of dice i have like if I have six players, I have six sets of colored dice and just having an ownership, some identity with the dice that has to feel good. People like to fiddle with things the, you know, it's figures are so popular because, you know, there's something to hold on to something tactile. And even though it has nothing to do with gameplay, you have to ensure that the moment to moment experience is uh, pleasurable, that it's that it's fun. And uh, World of Warcraft does that by exciting the eye. It's a it's a beautiful game. Uh, there's beautiful horizons. It's 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 interesting to look at. A lot of MMOs just didn't budget for that. You know, it's Arctic tundras and deserts. And yeah, it's easy to make those zones because there's no. You don't have to do trees. You don't have to do foliage. You don't have to do critters. It's very easy to pull off uh, Hoth. Or tattooing, you know, uh, but y y what y your experience there is not going to be fun because you're going to get sick and tired of sand or, or, or snow after a while. And um, I'm trying to think, is, is there anything else about the Lao Diaries that I didn't get a chance, that I haven't asked about that, that is important for you to talk about? Because um, I don't always have the best questions. Oh, that's all right. No, yeah. no. It's, I always uh, like to double check. It's, it's. I think it could have been written about any big game. I mean, it could have been Grand Theft Auto. It could have been any, any major uh, title. It's there's a lot of details about how Blizzard works and their methodology, and you know how they what's what's in their secret sauce that makes makes good games. Uh, but even if you're working on or you, you're a fan of other games, I think you would say, oh, that's how all that's why game companies all do things this way or that way. Um, uh, I, th I think that's uh, one of the things that limits my uh, appeal is that if you're not a World of Warcraft player, you might not think that, oh, this is uh, maybe not a book for me. It's not, uh, it's not, it's, it's an ugly book purposely. Like, I, I, there's no beauty pictures. I kept all the beauty pictures out of the book. <laughs> I wanted to show what the game looks like before it's made. Like, games are actually very ugly before they're, you know, uh, when you can't play them, when there's nothing balanced, when it's combat, there's really nothing to do. And it's actually not a fun thing to work on because often you have a lot of repetitive tasks like, okay, I'm going to make daggers and weapons. Okay, that sounds kind of cool. 
I'm going to do that for three years before I see any daggers or weapons in the game that I can play with because combat's not done, uh, player inventory's not done, the database isn't written, so there's a whole bunch of, you know, and you have to really like games to uh, to to want to work on these unfinished pieces of software before you actually can play them. So, uh, yeah, there's... There's just a whole lot about games, and you know, other game developers I think are going to get a lot out of it too. Absolutely. Um, this is not an important question, um, and okay. you may not be able to answer it, but oh, sure. I'm just really curious because I I play a lot. I Overwatch is a Blizzard game I have played a lot of. Yeah. I'm really curious if you can recall what character models or characters they pulled from Titan. Um, or at least used as inspiration because you said you, they had applied them in Overwatch a little while later. But. Yeah, uh, the the only two that I think um, now we didn't have. Um, and they may our, have changed our concept. names changed like the jumper uh, is that's we would call it the jumper like there's going to be a male and a female model. Uh, uh, we just. Overwatch just stuck with the female model. Uh, that's it's the one that goes back. Into, I can't for, what tracer. What, tracer, that's right. Tracer, um, and the guy with the mask on, like the skull Reaper. mask, is Re that's Reaper. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, he he. That was the same name. Yeah, Reaper. Okay, so we had Jumper, we had Reaper, uh, and then we had one called. Uh, Oh, let's see. There's a mechanic uh, and a juggernaut. Those are the four playable. The mechanic, there was like Torbjorn. He's like a little short dwarf guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he was a dwarf. I think it was more, maybe, I, no, he wasn't a dwarf. In uh, They must have used a different character. And then the juggernaut was a guy with a big shield. Reinhardt. Re okay. Uh, was Is Reinhardt the gorilla? No, that's Winston. Winston, that's right. Okay, yeah. Okay, so Reinhardt. Okay, so Reinhardt uh, was one of the ones on uh, Titan. Yeah, and I'm sure their abilities changed. <laughs> I, and that's not surprising to me at all. Like, in in, in how concepts can change and adjust depending yeah. on what they want. And th that's not. I'm just really curious because I've followed. I didn't play. Um, I played Hearthstone. Um, I played uh, Overwatch. I didn't play a ton of Blizzard games prior to that, but I didn't right. really play PC games until like 2010, 2009. Okay. Personally, I was I I played all consoles and handhelds until then, right. and, I, and then I went to college and I had a, a laptop that could run games <laughs> yeah. very barely. Yeah. yeah. And then after I couldn't handle having a, a subpar laptop, I eventually, eventually built a computer. So, um, I so I so Overwatch was. The, I followed the announcement of it, and, and I'm not surprised Lord Tracer was one of those characters that they showed first off. Right. Um, she, she's kind of been there cross, uh, like she's been in other Blizzard games as well, yeah. so it's not surprising. Yeah, I Tracer was a lot of fun, like immediate, like just rewinding uh, mm -hmm. back in, in time is just such a cool mechanic. Um, yeah, it's a shame. I and, and what's funny, I've never played Overwatch, and I kind of like... I actually don't even I don't watch gaming because I kind of I kind of like miss it a lot because Aww. I really would like to uh, play those games. I was actually very good at first person shooters. I was fairly competitive uh, with Quake stuff before I before I went into level design. Um, I was very competitive uh, with uh, I, I I placed in uh, I don't know when what is the 
not quarterfinals or semifinals, but what what is it when you're placed in the top 16 in a in, in a tournament? Um, it's pretty high, and you're 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 working with some guys that are just scary good. Um, so that's you get talk to people like Fatality, um, who's yeah. the, who's, he's, who's like a champion across multiple games. Yeah, in that genre, yeah, yeah. You know, I I can understand that absolutely, and you know, my heart hurts that you miss it. Yeah. Um. Well, honestly, I'm playing board games, and you know, uh, I play Pathfinder, and you know, I'm Starfinder. Like, I've got my whole gaming schedule completely. Right. <laughs> how, how much? So you said you you have a podcast um, of your Pathfinder games, and y'all have crested over 100 episodes of gameplay. Yeah. Yeah, we're uh yeah we play in uh, uh it's uh. Just my friends and I. It's most most of the time is we're a bunch of uh, rules lawyers, and we spend most of our time arguing. They're all from New York, and uh, we spend our time just like you know busting each other's chops and you know uh, making uh, goofing on each other. And uh, it's a lot of fun. We're a lot of the podcasts. They're more like uh, uh, they're very rehearsed kind of comedy things, and we don't we like I haven't. I've never listened to our own podcast, but it's we're I think number some we range from number four to number twenty in a lot of countries around uh, for all gaming. Uh, wow. So it's actually pretty. Uh, it's it's a it's a very polished production, um, but it's just something that one of my friends he wants to deal with all the recording, and so we were like, okay. You know, this microphone that I'm talking to you now, he bought it. He says, here, just <laughs> go to Amazon, order this, and, and then just use this because I want everybody to have the same microphone. So he's enough of the – he's our GM as well. Uh, we play over the uh, the uh, uh, internet. So it's, it's a very different uh, – uh, uh, podcast. Yeah, we we go. And ahead. if people want to listen to it, where where can they listen and what's it called? Uh, it's just go to uh, rollforcombat.com. A uh, little plug for us, and uh, yeah, we have uh, just I. I I think a hundred and five. I don't know how many episodes we have, <laughs> but, but there's uh, plenty to catch up on. Yeah, yeah, and we're doing we're finishing up Starfinder right now. We just we're finishing up the Dead Suns campaign, and we're going to uh, uh, Pathfinder two. Uh, we we're also working with uh, Paizo. Um, uh, we do a lot of the a lot of their uh, designers are guests on our show. And uh, it's it's real plain, so it's uh, it's not scripted. It's it's it's, and maybe that's not what like if you want to be more entertained. I don't know if it's a uh, uh, if it's a, uh, everybody's a cup of tea, but it's 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 just gaming, gaming. You know, it's 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 fun. Absolutely, and I will include um, a, a link to your podcast along with sure. links to um, the book. Um, the, the World of Warcraft Diaries, um, links to where people can learn more about um, your other Kickstarter campaigns. Right. Uh, do you have anything currently ongoing right now? Uh, right now, um, I do have a webpage called whenitsready.com, and that's my company, and I it tracks my projects. I am currently still uh, pimping my book, and next thing I do is, in January, that's when I roll over toward... Uh, Doing the art of my game. My game is uh, it's fun, and all I have to do is produce content and art for it, and I'll be coming out with that. So I'm excited with that. And, and where can people follow you on social media if they want to stay up to date on what you're working on? Uh, okay, so 
you can find links from my webpage when it's ready.com or um, you can see me on uh, Twitter. I'm at John Stats underscore W I R for when it's ready. Uh, and that's J O H N S T A A T S underscore W I R. And that's uh, my Twitter handle. And, uh, you know, I'm not the biggest you know, entertainer on, but there'll be a lot of stuff. Mark Kern and I go, uh, he's, he's the old uh, team lead for uh, World of Warcraft. Uh, we go back uh, a few times whenever one of us finds something cool, we'll ping that off at another one. I was talking to one of the, uh, he's a current developer on WoW, uh, Roman Kenny. He just joined uh, Twitter. So uh, people ask us questions. If you have questions about game development, go ahead and uh, shoot me a question. I, I like answering uh uh, questions. Hopefully, I have some uh, articles coming out on uh, Wowhead uh, excerpts from the book. Uh, it's too much to produce the whole book, uh, <laughs> but I'll have little quotes and uh, I'll answer questions uh, here and there. But uh, just just follow me on uh, when it's ready if you want to know what's going on with me. Absolutely, and I'll include links to everything um, and everywhere that you can find John and um, everything that he's working on in the show notes for today's episode on CakeBites.com. And I'll include links in the description of the show as well, um, which you can see on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever it is that you like to listen to your show. Um, John, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today and sharing your memories. Oh, thank um, you. Thanks for having me. And congratulations on the book. That's a huge accomplishment. The first <laughs> of you. many books, yes, it sounds yes. like, that you're working on Indeed. in board games, too. Yeah. So. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of Cake Bites. Uh, don't forget to check out cakebites.com for uh, today's show notes where I've got links to um, John's social media, the book, his website, um, and his other projects. You can also find links to my social media and the Cake Bites social media so you can keep up to date with uh, whatever it is I feel like tweeting about. Don't forget to check out the other Littlefellow Media Network podcasts like Magecast and Opinioneering. I've got links to those shows in, uh, in the show notes as well. So uh, I'll catch y'all next time. drink and I'll tell you a secret. <sighs> Thank you. Now, about that secret. If it's video game and video game music discussion you're after, seek out the Little Fella Media Network at buzzsprout.com. Legend has it that there is a podcast there, hosted by a skeleton, known as the ABXY Mage, from thewellreadmage.com. Go. See for yourself. It's called Side Quests. And it's about video games. And video game music. And if you are leaving now, take me with you. <laughs> <laughs>